Welcome to The Kitchen Table, a podcast about where business is done. So pull up a chair and join your host, Ken Baden. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Kitchen Table podcast. And we are super blessed and super excited to have Steve Apadoka. Is that right? Apadoka, close. Apadoka, dude. Yeah. Almost there. This close, bro. This close. I was so pumped, dude. Look how red I am. I was this close, dude. So close. All right. Steve uh, is good friends with one of my mentors, Ryan Stuman, correct? Correct. I'm affiliated. Uh, I work for and with, with Ryan, for sure. Which is an absolute honor to have Steve on the show. Steve is, and we'll talk more about his, uh, his business here in a second, but Steve's got a really, really cool story. Um, we spoke recently and honestly, man, I didn't know, I, you know, we don't know the insights or the inner workings of each other's lives, but I had no idea some of the stuff you were telling me kind of as a precursor to the show. And I guess that's going to like segue right into, uh, you know, my, my first, tell us a little bit about your background, but you have a really interesting story. At least I feel, um, you said that you had like essentially raised yourself <clears throat> since you were 12. 12 is a really young age, dude. So I was like 14, but I mean, you got me beat. You won up me. So tell us a little bit about that, dude. Tell us a little bit about who you are, your background, business background. Why don't you start there? Sure. Awesome. Um, typically on these shows, I, I usually start at the uh, sales journey, but um, I think this audience is probably going to be the first ever public uh, audience to hear what I'm about to share with you. So um, if that's cool, so we'll man, see, I mean, we'll see yeah, how it goes, man. <laughs> if that's cool, we don't have to do that. But I mean, you know, no, it's it's fitting, man, because I know there are others like me, right? Uh, how could there not be in a world of 8 billion people? Um, we know there's a lot of chaos and disorder in this in this world, we lack leadership and good parental guidance. And so uh, whatever's gotten me to where I've gotten, um, I'm sure it, it can help somebody else along the way who who's walked in similar shoes as me so well brother you know uh, that's my story too though right you know that right i, I yeah it's, it's a lot of our stories that's okay why we, we flock together man you know? okay i just wanted we, to make sure you definitely are not wavelength. alone that's what i'm talking <laughs> about sure. man so uh so yeah that said um so about 12 years old um actually about 11 years old my my mom was divorcing my stepdad and um it threw her for a massive um mental loop she got really deep into alcohol and started leaving the house for days at a time um, to the point to where she trusted a 17-year-old babysitter with me um, who ended up um, taking my virginity when I was 11 slash 12 years old. And um, so, again, no, no guidance, no parental, you know, um, mentorship or anything of that nature from about that time. Um, and the, the home was so unstable that my half brother ended up going to live with my stepdad. And since I was the only other child, um, I went and stayed with my aunt and then hopped around from different houses and schools around the country. By the time I graduated, I had hit something like four, 13 or 14 schools um, just because of the instability. But, uh, but yeah, mom checked out mentally. And then around, um, 15, 16, I moved to, to Las Vegas. I was basically born and raised here in Las Vegas, but I, when she, everything fell apart from, from my mom, we were, we were in Louisiana. So I moved back, um, 
with her here to Vegas and she ended up getting even deeper into now drugs, selling drugs, meth, um, and, uh, ended up doing, going to prison when I was 17. So at 17, uh, the, 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 the law said, Hey, you're still technically a minor. You need to find somewhere to go. Um, or you're going to go to foster foster care. So I hadn't really had an, um, a relationship with my father. They, they never got married. And I, I, I stayed with them once when I was like 10 years old for a couple of months. But other than that, we, we hardly ever talked maybe once or twice a year. And, um, so I called him up. I'm like, Hey, I'm, I'm about to land in, um, foster care if you don't take me at least until I turn 18 and he begrudgingly he's like shit I guess if I have to sh sure come on over and uh, so I stayed with him until I turned 18 and after that I was just on my own so uh, but between those ages you know I got a license my my car and my license when I was 15 years old and was never home I never had the desire to be home to witness the the downfall of my mom Again, there were times when I was 13, 12, 13, 14 years old where she'd be gone for a week at a time, come home, sleep it off, um, and then be gone again. So it was just essentially it was me and my brother, and um, uh, at least until he had to go back with his dad. And, um, you know, it was just me doing the cooking, the cleaning, and making sure that we uh, got to school on time. And, you know, it was just kind of normal to us that she wasn't there. It's just, we just, it, it wasn't like a, a massive hardship or anything like that, but it was just like, we, we were just alone. Right. Um, luckily my grandmother, sometimes she, she kept the refrigerator, uh, full. Otherwise we would just be scrapping for whatever we could eat. Right. Um, and then again, when she was here in, in, in Vegas and I was now in high school, there were times where the refrigerator was completely empty and I'd have to go steal food from the grocery store so I can eat. Um, up until I was able to find a job. And then after that, it was just, I didn't need anybody after that. Hmm. Damn. Well, I mean, to your point, one, you mentioned grandma keeping the fridge stocked. Were you, are you a grandma's boy? A little bit? I am. Um, I'm a to grandma's an boy. Dude. To an extent. So she was the one that kind of recognized like, hey, this isn't conducive for anybody to live in. So she was responsible for sending me to my aunt's house and then sending me to somebody else's house. Um, or at least making sure that the house we ran with mom had, uh, you know, the bills paid at the very least. Right. right? So to an extent, you know, maybe if, um, I would say up until I was about 14, so about 12 to 14, there were times where she would, uh, she'd take care of the, the back to school shopping, the clothes and make sure that I, I didn't go, go to school with like sh holes in my shoes and shit. Right. But, uh, other than that, like I said, um, it was just a very quiet house between me and my brother. And um, I think my mom figured as long as there was there was food in the fridge and power on that she didn't really have to do much, you know. So Just you and your brother? Is that your only other sibling? Yeah, yeah. And then, like I said, I was about 14 when he uh, went to his dad and I hadn't really. I Actually, matter of fact, I, I took him. I didn't see him again until I was now 18, 19, sorry. Um, no, I'm sorry, 20. I had just had my son. And then he was uh, somewhere around 17, having some troubles with his dad at school. And I offered to take him in again um, as his guardian so, until he finished high school. Wow, man. You know, and I can relate so much to this story. And I appreciate, honestly, brother, I appreciate you being, it's kind of a, I don't mean to say like a bummer way to start, but like we're getting raw. And that's like, <laughs> dude, I did that in the first episode and I also am really big on that and social media and all that. Cause dude, I can't hide from that shit. First of all, I refuse to, because to your point and kudos for saying that, bro, like you don't know 
if all we talk about is the good shit, and I mean, look, this is a show about, you know, sales and growth and, and personal development and business. And so like the appealing side of business is the stuff and the things and like the other side of the hill that we are climbing currently, right? But if you don't show the shit that we come from, like you're really robbing somebody of like truly appreciating like, brother, you have no fucking idea how far we've come. You know what I mean? Right, right. And Plus, not only that, there's somebody struggling in that right now. Or could I say, plus sometimes uh, people do need to see the uh, the proof in the pudding, right? So it's like, why should I listen to you? You don't know where I've been at, right? And so uh, I think that sometimes lends to the credibility of, well, you, are you sure, right? <laughs> are you sure you want to look under the hood? Because it, you, it might be a lot worse than what you think, right? right. So a lot of I've people see the, the effects and the byproducts of the hard work. Um, it's like that, uh, that glacier, um, the... Yeah. The, the glacier, it's not a meme, but it's like a, the glacier inspirational picture where mm -hmm. like every, all the shit's underneath, right? All mm -hmm. you're seeing is the cap. So. Right. They're looking at this little teeny cap and like this giant <laughs> city sized thing underneath. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I guess what we'll do is we'll just fast forward because I do want to keep, I, I do want to make sure that we do, we drop the nuggets in, um, you know, in, in a timely fashion too. So I'll, I'll kind of accelerate here um, about, uh, let's see, uh, 20 years old, I get married, mm -hmm. um, and I have my first child. So just newlywed, um, couple months and then he's born and, um, about 21 years old, I approached my dad cause he ran a, a landscaping business. We're third, I'm a third generation landscaper. We've been doing landscaping in, in the Vegas Valley for like 60 years. Oh, nice. Um, so I said, you know what, let me, uh, I'm, I'm wondering if, since I am my dad's only son, if I could learn the business and then take it over for him when he retires, because he was pretty successful here locally in Vegas. And so, uh, I said, Hey dad, you know, I got, I got a child now. I'm wondering if you can bring me on so I can, uh, you know, learn the business, the family. I, I just, at the time I called it the family business because he was my dad. Right. Uh, plus I had helped him when I was like 14, 15 years old in summers, I'd come, I'd come, I'd come to Vegas for a couple months and then you know, help him on the routes and, and doing jobs. Um, but he says, yeah, I'll sure. I'll bring you in. But he brought me in at the lowest tier. I was a grunt. Um, he had I had zero favoritism, uh, even to the point where like, I'd be flat broke and be like, Hey dad, can I get some lunch money? And be like, yeah, I'll take it out of your check. Like that, that mm -hmm. kind. Right. <laughs> So uh, I did that uh, with him until he retired. And when he retired, I'm like, okay, dad, I'll, I'll make sure you're taken care of for the, for as long as the company's uh, is alive, you'll, you'll be taken care of. And, and I'll make sure that the company continues to run. And he's like, no, I, I built this company up and I'm going to liquidate and sell everything and ride off into the sunset. So he says, you think you should probably find another job. Wow. <laughs> So I said, well, shit, there, there goes my, uh, my, my plan. Right. And, and I had done really well up to that point. I moved up to the operations manager. I was right below him and just managing the entire company. So, um, I knew the ins and outs of the business. And now that he was gone, I was like, well, at least I can use that skill set still. And so, um, this happened all right. When the, when the crash happened is when he retired the, the last, the, the, the housing crash. Okay. So housing crash uh, happens. I had just gotten a job with the city slash state. I was a quasi government job. And I was like, hell yeah, man, I can do like this gold watch and a pension corporate deal. Right. And uh, the crash happens and they let go of a hundred people. I was one of the freshest guys. So 
by nature, I'm out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, somebody had approached me from that had just moved from Kentucky and he says, Hey, um, I understand you have a lot of business, you know, business knowledge. Uh, one of his subcontractors had mentioned me and uh, he says, I know very little about landscaping here in Las Vegas because the cultures or the, uh, the environments are different, right? Plants are different. Everything's different from one side of the country to the other. So he says, um, I need somebody to manage my operations to help me with the company. So I said, sure. So uh, he wasn't able to afford me for what I was worth. So I said, hey, look, I got an idea. I said, I have an, a, a, um, a service-based type of business that we can marry with the landscaping that's severely profitable, right? So if you can open up this sister company and then pay me a cut, a commission of that, uh, I think it was like 33% off uh, on top of what, what on top of the revenue. So anything profit, I took 33%. And so he says, sure, we could do that. So at least that kind of supplemented the landscaping portion didn't pay me much, but that sister company, we built it up um, really, really uh, successful in about two, two or three years. And um, so long story short, um, we boomed through the crash because we found some investors who were buying up all the uh, foreclosed homes for next to nothing, and they all needed to be fixed up. So we had Buku work through the crash, very successful. And um, I'll never forget it, man. Three days after Christmas one year, wife's pregnant. We had just bought a brand new house and a brand new car. And uh, he pulls me into the office and he says, hey, I got to let you go. So I was like, well, shit, my screw up here, the naivety of me was that I didn't put my name on any of the contracts. Again, I he told me when I when when I mentioned that sister company says, if you lay out the business plan, you lay out how it's supposed to run all the operations, I will then front that. So he just basically invested in it and I built it up, but I didn't put my name on anything. So mm. he's like, well, shit, now that I know Steve's taught me the, the blueprint, I don't need him anymore. And um, so I'm out, right? Um, and then after that, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm done with this. Like, um, landscaping was too, uh, un- unstable for me. It's very, uh, seasonal. So you have really high months and then you have really low ones where you're, you're like doing nothing. And I didn't have the wherewithal at the time to, um, uh, I mean, I had bought like a little maintenance route, but I wasn't like business savvy enough for me to be like, well, let's do my own thing. Right. Um, so I ended up joining uh, a distribution company. They were like number 18 on the Fortune 500 list, uh, multi, multi-billion billion dollar distribution company. I went in there and I was like, let me try this gold watch and a pension thing one more time because I was just spinning my wheels. Um, and so I was there for about three years. I worked my way up as much as I could. They kept, they started prom- to, to the point where they started promising like the stock options and the bonuses and then the massive salary of you know, like two, two fifty, And, uh, I was getting like three days off a week. So I was like, heck yeah, man, I could do this for a couple of years again, uh, retire with a gold watch and a pension right off in the sunset. And so, uh, so essentially long story short, they were just dangling the carrot that I was coming in for free, coming in on my, on my days off for free, just working my guts out just to, so I can get that opportunity. And they're like, it's not a matter of if it's when it's your shots coming. And uh, eventually what happened was they, they skipped me over for an outside hire from another city. And um, I heard from multiple sources that she slept with a couple of the managers. Oh, wow. And so I said, as soon as I found that out, I literally walked into the, to the manager's office and said, hey, look, if this is how corporate America is, I'm out. Like, I don't want any part of this. You guys know my worth. Luckily in this, in distribution, everything's measured. So it's all KPIs. 
So I had on paper everything that I touched. I did multiple different departments, managing massive teams. Everything that I touched, my numbers were like a stark difference from all of the other shifts and all the other managers, right? So I was like, if you guys aren't going to appreciate me for the output that you guys are expecting, I'm out. I'm not sleeping with you. That's for sure. Right. <clears throat> so as soon as I left, I literally fired my boss right there. And that was the last time I had ever worked for somebody up until I um, went into independent with Ryan here about two years ago. Um, but that was pretty much the start of my entrepreneurship journey. I was just like, it's like when you bust out of prison, well, not me, but in the movies when they bust out of the prison and then the rear view mirror, they see all the lights and they're like, I'm not going back. That right. was me. Right. That was me. I was like, I'm not going back. Never going to work for somebody again, somebody again. And um, I told my wife, I was like, that's it. We're, we're just going to figure this shit out. Right. So um, about three months, three or four months after me sitting on a couch, being a, a couch potato on a bomb and just nice, giving the mental middle finger to anybody who was going to offer me a wage. Um, she's like, hey, we're running out of money. <laughs> you know, like we got to do something, you know, right? And so, uh, so luckily, somebody had called. Somebody that had, I didn't know it at the time, but this person had been calling me for the last three years consistently. Hey, you looking for an opportunity? No thanks, I'm good. Of course, I was good. I was getting a nice pension. I, right. I'm not pension, but I was getting a nice salary. I was, it was a cush, cush job, right? So I kept turning them down. But uh, apparently, this was the same guy that called at this time. Well, my wife picks up because I'm on the couch sleeping and uh, he says, hey, I'm looking for Steve. She says, he's he's sleeping right now. How can I help you? He says, well, I'm looking to give him an opportunity. I wanted to see if he, he'd be open to it. She says, opportunity? Yeah, he's been sitting on the couch for the last four months and we're broke. So she sets up the interview and I show up and it was insurance. And uh, so I was like, I showed up to the interview and I says, so you're telling me that I can make as much or as little as I want to. I can make uh, everything based off of my own merits. Like if I put in a ton of work, I'll reap the rewards. If I don't show up, I don't re reap nothing. You're telling me that's possible, right? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. So that was it, man. I was in. I was in like Flynn. I uh, completely um, transformed myself, my personality, my persona, just me, Steve. I just did a complete uh, reformation of myself when I finally found that opportunity. And uh, it's been off to the races after that. Since How then. long ago was that? You said two years ago? Three so years that ago? was in, uh, no, that was now about eight years ago. Oh, so I was shit. about okay. 33, 34. So eight years time. ago, mm -hmm. you're laying on the couch, totally turning it up, licking your wounds, and then you it sounds like get your first taste of the sales 1099 you know as you said eat what you kill world would that be yeah so and that's so funny dude because i remember feeling the same way which was like i just something about the idea of what you just said like all right so i'm paid in direct correlation with like what i can do and we're always confident if nothing else competitive dudes you know what i mean mm -hmm. we might be like overconfident or like what do they call it what's it like a um massive ego with an inferiority complex. some people say like, yeah some people say arrogant right yeah oh yeah sure no. but it's almost like you know oxymorons and that but it doesn't matter the point is is 
we tend to be very competitive and I love how you explain that. Cause I can almost see like your eyes light up when you're talking about it, dude. And I, I get it, man. Like sales and not to be too corny with it, but like, I, that's my favorite part about it is like, however hard you work. And I tell people that all the time, even now, dude, because like I still run a sales org and right now we're trying to get a house. Right. And Becca's like, dude, you got to get to it, you know, and there are things I can do, but ultimately it's like, I love that. It's not just like, Oh, I've got to pick up some shifts or it's all right, man. Well, I'm going to be working some late nights cause I'm going to be grinding, but I know I can do it. Like I just have to, it's never like, what do I want? Oh, I can't get that. It's all right. How hard do I have to work to get that? And that's what I love about what we do. You know what I mean? And so you're doing it in insurance. Funny story, bro. Just so happens your boy used to work in insurance. I mean, I saw a little bit of everything. You were way fancier than I was. You were in life insurance. <laughs> um, I was chasing the life insurance guy. In fact, he was my mentor and he only came in, dude. He, I don't know how, how you had it and where you worked, but he was an agent for a firm that like, it's a very popular, uh, you, you would buy into a franchise. I don't know what the rules are, so I don't want to say it, but he was coming in at like 1 p.m. if he wanted to, but he was mm -hmm. getting up at like seven, hitting two, three rounds of golf, coming in at one, mm -hmm. and he would only come in to meet with the life clients. Now he had taken the time to get that office to be able to run to where he was able to do that. You know what I mean? So right. things were still, and you had lowly, you know, uh, house and auto dudes just like me you know what i mean that were keeping the lights on and he was coming yeah. in and making the money with the insurance policies and life policy excuse me the life policies so tell me a little bit about that i mean i'm assuming you were uh a natch or was it like a struggle at first i mean you were just getting into it tell me about that yeah so all right so this is where i think we're we're gonna start helping some people out here um i was really upset when i learned about the opportunity I was upset at myself. Um, I actually beat, I pounded myself when I realized that I was now 33, 34. And I had so many years of hard work. I mean, again, I was in landscaping, dude. When I was put in landscaping, I had to outwork the workers. They were all Hispanic and I had to learn the language at the same time. So I had to like work my guts out and to realize that so many years had gone by and I felt like I had nothing to show for it. I was really hard on myself. Like you idiot. Right. There were times there was a, when I was in the corporate gig, I mean, I was working graveyard with Friday, Saturdays and Sundays off. That's cush for a lot of people. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what did I do while the family slept? Cause I couldn't switch my schedule around my sleep schedule. Cause I was working graveyard. Right. So I'd be up all night playing video games, dude, uh, <laughs> for like three years. And I, and when I look back, I'm like, that is so much free time. It's hard for family men to get that free time. Right. So all of that free time to me, I was to me was just wasted where I could have been perfecting something. I could have been mastering something. I could have been doing something beneficial and productive with my life. And I didn't. So I was really, really pissed off of myself mm -hmm. when I had learned that there were opportunities out there where, where if you maximize your 24 hours in a day, you can achieve pretty much anything that you put that you desire. Right. So this is where the transformation happened. So I get into life insurance and, um, there's a, just a couple of just realizations. First and foremost, I will tell you guys, I'm, I'm a man of faith. So uh, when I was presented with the opportunity, I prayed fervently to find out if this is where God wanted me, sure. uh, if this is where I should be, if this is where I can build something on. And I got the unequivocal answer several times, right? 
Um, but at the same time, I knew that again, to your point, I had to, I had to eat what I killed. Right. So if I had no skills in killing or hunting, I needed to develop those things. So I immediately, man, it's funny. The first thing that I started listening to was overcome the objections by, um, Tom Hopkins. Nice dude. Yeah. I don't know why that was the first thing that I would try probably because, I mean, now I realize now because I've dealt with thousands of just sales reps in different industries now. But uh, at the time, I, I had kind of already known that life insurance was a highly skeptical industry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because so much harm is done in financial services. You get a lot of slime. It attracts a lot of slime balls, a lot of sleazy people who um, can do a lot of harm in a relatively quick, quickly amount, of, quick amount of time, mm-hmm. um, and cash out and be gone, right? And so. Um, for some reason, I was just attracted to overcoming objections because probably maybe I had objections that I needed to be laid down too, right? So I just started perfecting my craft and overcoming objections. Um, that morphed into me learning new people skills because remember, I was swinging a pick and a shovel for 15 years with um, with Hispanics in people's backyards where nobody was around to filter us, right? <clears throat> so I had to now learn how to sit across somebody's kitchen table and um, I don't want to say convince, right, but expose to them um, unforeseen circumstances and then get them to buy into the fact that they needed that. And by the way, it's something that pe- most people don't benefit from because the only time a policy pays out is when you die. So it's like, you need to get this, but you're never going to benefit from it. It's just for somebody else, right? right. So I had to kind of learn and perfect um, my people skills because if I am if I get one shot, remember, I wanted, I wanted to maximize my 24 hours in a day. I didn't want to sit at somebody's kitchen table and waste their time and waste my time. Don't get me wrong, the first two or three years was kind of like that because I was just learning and put, get, getting the L's and taking the licks and uh, perfecting my craft. So there were many times where my wife's like, are you sure this is going to work? Because I'm not seeing the money, right? Right. But I knew that putting in the reps would kind of perfect me. And then finally I hit that, I hit that aha, you know, milestone in my career to where I just kind of took off. But it took me about two and a half, two and a half, three years before I really uh, started like just before I, before the morph was kind of complete. Right. <laughs> I, and that's, I'm so glad you said that because so many guys even, and I think that a lot of that, how old are you? I'm 40. And I'm in my late thirties. So we're in the, you know, I don't know, bro. I feel like, man, and I'm not bashing you younger generation. And if you are listening, I certainly hope you are, but look, man, come get yourself some mentors like myself and Steve and we'll, you know, I think it's a shame that society as a whole, man, especially like I see it a lot and I, and I try and find, you know, the 25 and unders. And it's just like, even from six years ago, it's just different, bro. It's just so different. Like the idea of what hard work is. And I don't know, man, the lack of like, it's almost like this, I don't know. And I, and I won't dig myself too much of a hole, but I guess the point would be is like the stick to for you to stick it out for two and a half years of getting your ass kicked. And I mean, I don't know if you got your ass kicked, but you weren't reducing the results that you wanted. Fair. I mean, and then it clicked. And, um, you know, we just had a really big loss here at the company, man. And, you know, without going into too much detail, because it's going to get me emotional, this young man, well, I say young, he's about my age, but I watched this guy, you know, come in and took about, I'd say eight months. And even that's relatively quick. But he was doing fifty thousand in a month, you know, getting his getting his 
licking his wounds and not doing anything spectacular. And then yeah. it just clicks. And the next thing you know, 100,000, 200,000, 200,000, 350, 200, 2 million in a year. Yeah. You know, And so yeah. he's two people you know, to replace. But I guess my point is, is just that, you know, if there's anything to stress from somebody that gets paid to consult and work with salespeople and sales organizations, specifically in the, you know, the door-to-door industry. And Steve, I know you know this, but just like, you cannot come in, especially where he comes from, having come from digging ditches to having never, from what I understand and from what I hear, that's kind of baller, dude. First of all, I'm not going to lie. Um, and we do have a group blue collar ballers. I think that you're applicable. You're going to have to join. I'm just saying. So I didn't know that, dude. I thought you're a white collar guy, but I got to give you, you know what I mean? You you can come in now uh, and by all means, it's more of a mindset, but you quite literally went from like blue collar, white collar overnight and took the two years it takes to fine tune your craft. You didn't give up and it paid off. I mean, I would, you wouldn't be sitting here talking to me, I'm guessing. I mean, did you set any records? Did you kick some ass? I mean, what was it like when that clicked? It was very drastic. So to your point, yes, I did have to. There was this this part I have shared only one time, but it was only inside of our, our Apex Mastermind. Um, mm. It's it's actually this this part is really emotional for me. So um, as soon as I start that opportunity, I sell my house. I take the equity of that and I start living on that while I perfect my craft because my wife has not worked since we were, I was 20 years old. Um, one of the part of the things that we both agreed on is that she'd stay home with the kids. And that was mad. Matter of fact, that was her dealing because I always offer says, you can do what you want. I'll fully support you. And she says, I want to be a, the best mother I could possibly be. I said, great. I will do what I can do to support that. Uh, so I sell the house and I'm living off of the equity of the house while I'm perfecting this craft. Again, taking levels, I'm, I'm getting some 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 success, but then it, it you know shit, chargebacks. You know how chargebacks work, right? So it's like you work, you get paid, and then you charges back, and then the next time you work and you get paid, that goes back to the to the carrier, right? It doesn't go into your bank account. So. Um, so again, about two and a half. I even moved. I I moved the family close to the office. I mean, I was all in. I mean, I was training every single training. We had pop-ups, pop-up trainings, emergency trainings, like you better be there and um, or else, right? So luckily I had mentors that were really tough. Uh, and it, again, it's not, that's not for everybody. It, don't get me wrong. It did push some people away, but I was, um, I was of the Tim Grover mindset, right? I'm like, hell yeah, I need an ass kicking. Remember, I grew up without mentorship and guidance, right? And I was like, well, shit, I mean, what I've done to this point has only gotten me so far. Well, uh, to your point, I need mentorship. I need guidance. So I always welcomed the people who didn't sugarcoat shit. Like, you tell me how it is so we can, so we don't have to waste more time, right? Um, so anyway, um, there was a point in time where I'm now pushing 15, 18 hour days, driving all over God's green earth, prospecting because where I was at at the time for those first two and a half years, leads were not compliant. It's funny. I feel like an old timer when I tell people, oh, nowadays you guys are spoiled. You get leads. I matter of fact, brother, I didn't even know what the word lead was for the first two and a half years. So it was all pressed to flesh. You meet strangers and then they bring you into the warm market and then the top 50 list, oh, the wow. top thousand lists, and then the top hundred lists. And you, you just squeeze that lemon until there's nothing to squeeze left. Right. So I was doing that, man. I mean, pressing the flesh at gas stations and grocery stores. And I mean, you name it, I was just talking to people. 
right? That's impressive. But despite all that, despite all that, I moved my family into a shoebox apartment. My mother-in-law had been with us for, she's, she just moved out. She had been with us for almost 11 years. So I move into the shoebox two bedroom apartment. I have six people in there and my wife's now pregnant with them, baby number four. And the uh, lease is about to come up on the apartment. And we were already struggling to make the payment on that apartment, despite the massive effort and energy that I was putting to my craft. Right. And so, um, Long story short, a few days before rent is due, or I'm sorry, the lease is due to renew, we couldn't stay there because I had just a few months earlier had a breakup with that first practice. I call it the practice company, the practice insurance company. I was so fed up with them. And I had started learning that you can become an independent agent where you get higher comp, you can offer better products, you can offer any product for that for that matter. It wasn't just, hey, you sell our one product and that's right. it. Everybody else is evil, right? And so, um, so along this way, I, I'm like, look, I don't need you guys anymore. I don't even want to be here anymore. And it became um, to where they, like, we had law involved, or they were like uh, slandering me, trying to make make me look bad to my clients and my book of business. Um, to the point where they were showing up, they were sending goons to like other to my new office to like just wreck shit, right? And so, what? Yeah, it was crazy, man. So. I'm like, I told my wife, I'm like, we we can't stay here because obviously like these people are starting to get like caught, like violent. Like you can't leave unless like you, we, we kill you. <laughs> All right. Blood in, blood and, out. And no blood in, blood out. Right. So I'm like, look, we can't stay here, but obviously we can't even afford to live in this dump as it is. Right. So I was in a really unique conundrum. So here's what I did. This, hopefully this helps people out. I bet on myself. I said, we, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm miserable. I don't like the life we're having. And I'm about to bring another child into this world. I don't want them to have to grow up in this type of environment. So luckily, my, my new broker, we were only fresh like a month and a half, two months in. I said, hey, can you like make me some fake checks so I can apply for a, a house and you know show income, show income, right? And he's like, sure, cast the check. Give me the, you send me the money back and then we'll write you another check. So we created like two or three, um, you know, weeks worth or months worth of, of payment history. So I can at least apply for a new house. So I applied for the house and, uh, fell out of my chair that they actually approved it. Right. They're like, yeah, sure. Oh, wow. move, move in is on the first and we need first last month's rent. And then obviously deposits on all the utilities. And I'm like, well, sh- well, I didn't think about that part, right? Like I just needed a new house, right? right? So once I get the approval, they're like, well, when you pay us, you can show up and live in it, right? And I'm like, okay. So this is about a week before the lease is up for the apartment. I have no money, but I have I got approved for a house. So I said, um, well, I, obviously I can't, I'm, I have, I'm struggling making money with insurance. And at the time I had just started contracting with those new carriers that I was um, signing on with. Remember, I just broke up with the last one. I needed to now secure different opportunities. So I'm right mm-hmm. in the middle of securing these opportunities. I'm a week away from not having an apartment and I don't have an, um, any money to move into this new house. So luckily we had two vehicles. They weren't like very good vehicles, mind you. But either way, um, my wife's van was probably worth about seven thousand bucks at the time, and uh, I sold that shit for like 
four grand. I massively undersold it because I said, I, if, if I can right, at least get something. enough money to move in, right, I'll at least have another 30 days, right, to mm -hmm. come up with some shit, right? So uh, long story short, man, I sell it in an hour. I sell it in an hour. And, um, and so uh, two days later, I get the check and send it to the, uh, the house company. So they're like, great, I satisfied their shit. And um, with two days left, I, I had enough money to barely fill up a U-Haul, get my wow. family out of there, move into a new house. So um, this is where that big turnaround happens. So I move in June 1st. I get my first insurance contract, independent contract on June 4th. From the month, that, from the June 4th to June 30th, I wrote, I wrote $28,000 in life insurance premium and cashed in, cashed in 24,000 of it. Wow. It had been the most money I'd ever made. Matter of fact, uh, the, the year prior, working full-time, working my guts out, right, seven days a week, I made a grand total of, on taxes, it was like 19 grand. I made more money in June than I did the previous year. Wow. Um, I was just working my guts out. I, I now had, I, the, the, what changed to me was I had opportunity, right, but I had also had this drive like, I was this close from, because I hadn't mentioned this part, but I was deeply considering before selling that van, I was deeply considering like, we might have to live in these damn things, right? right? So in my mind, I'm mental screwing myself like, hey, Bonehead, you have already three children. You have your mother-in-law with you. Your wife's pregnant. Are you really going to like, like be responsible for everybody having to like continue to live in this situation and even worse, live in a vehicle? Um, and so I just became maniacal when I secured my first contract. I just was maniacal about uh, talking to people. I was, um, you know, going back to the well. I was talking to anybody that would talk to me about insurance and I just sold the shit out of it. And uh, we never had a want or need since then, uh, at least, you know, nothing drastic. I've gotten litigation brought upon me. That shit was scary. But um, you know, at least since then, I've never had to worry about the gas, the price of gas, the price of eggs, the price of uh, food, groceries. Like, I mean, those things, those stresses have gone away to where now I can focus on the things that matter the most. Wow. That's honestly, brother, that is really damn powerful because it's an amazing story of like betting on yourself, like you said. And what I'm hearing you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but one thing I kind of like have little notes that I'm taking. And, you know, there was a segment, a little piece I just wanted to mention the married with four kids and the family dynamic. And I didn't even realize you had a mother-in-law involved. So like one thing I preach to all my peeps is the value of a why. And when I'm looking for a prospective new rep and the, the young guy or gal that's just living at home on mom or dad's couch with like nothing to lose, no matter how good I want them to be, it's the guy like me and you that's got like somebody counting on them. And in your case, everybody counting on them. And it's like getting ready to go live in a car and you look at yourself and you think, and you probably couldn't even look yourself in the eye for a while there. It but, took a long time to forgive myself. Yeah, but brother, that's badass, dude. That's a cool <laughs> story, man. That's a cool story of perseverance. And like, honestly, man, like, you know, I don't know. It's like toxic masculinity to like probably the term man up. But, you know, we're going to be risky here. And you know what I mean? <laughs> be a fucking man and like you put your like family it. on You're your back. You're in the wrong dude. episode. Absolutely, man. <laughs> like, the fuck out of here. I mean, 
in my opinion, that's what we're supposed to do. And good on you. You know what I mean? I'm, my fiance is the same way. She's an attorney. And she's like, man, I would love nothing more to me, than me to, to be able to do that. And again, I'd support whatever she wanted to do. But nothing changes about the fact that inherently in me is a drive to at least I have this innate natural instinct to like, I have to at least be able to provide whether you want or need that. But I have to at least be able to do that because you might need me to. And if I don't, I feel like I'm failing. Right. So I'm constantly like, plus, dude, we come from very humble upbringings. Right. So like, and I can speak for myself, but I just heard your story. And so like when we start to get a taste of something like, oh, shit, dude, 28,000 in a month, I want some more of that. And you just boom, boom, boom. And you build upon that. Look what you've done, man. I mean, you know, we're. We are running a little close on it, but dude, I would be remiss if I didn't ask about how awesome it is that you guys are doing like, and, and again, I'm asking about this because genuinely I'm a consumer. I mean, my team has been utilizing phone sites recently and that's kind of how we got connected. Ryan is my coach. Steve is working directly with uh, Ryan and phone sites. And I, you know, tell us real quick about what that is and, and the cool stuff about that. I mean, because honestly, my guys, that's why I hit you up recently was like, dude, I need more. You know what I mean? I need more yeah, of the definitely. free ones or the non-free ones. Let's go, let's, <laughs> let's become paying customers. But my point is my boys are all going out and girls are all going out and showing these off at the door. And like, people are like, what is what? Looking at them like they're crazy. And then yeah. they're like, dude, everybody has the coolest reaction to it. So kudos to you guys, man. And that's a two part question because again, we're up on it. So one, tell us about phone sites and two, you would be a good person to ask and just kind of touch on like, do you see the market kind of trending? I mean, I guess that's kind of a rhetorical question, but I see that Ryan's investing heavy in like the tech world. And that's just something I don't know anything about, but you know, kind of what is phone sites and sort of the value of kind of, you know, is that something that you see, I guess the importance of like kind of heavily investing in, or if you were somebody like myself that, doesn't really know at all what to do with any of that, you know, what kind of advice would you give uh, a newbie like myself in terms of considering, you know, investing in something like that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I had actually been using phone sites for two, about two years, maybe a little longer before I was offered this opportunity. I had been using it for my insurance business. Um, so essentially, Ryan, what he did is he created a page building software to gather data. If, if we're going to just cut it down to the chase, it's a data gathering machine. Really? Uh, he had been using another competitor that's very well funded and very well known, but they started becoming a little uh, intricate, convoluted, uh, expensive. And he's like, look, I don't need this shit. I can just make my own, right? It's all true. It's true entre entrepreneurship, right? It's like you see a need, you fill it. You simplify something, you make it better than somebody else's, and then you become successful in the process, right? Um, so now, you know, why is it advantageous in the trending? It's advantageous literally, literally to everybody. Well, why is that? It's because of what it does. It's the, it's the data gathering. That's, that's innately, essentially what we all want. Some people call it a lead. Some people call it data. Some people call it a name and a number. Some people call it a prospect. Some people call it a client. Realistically, all of it, all of it boils down to data. Hmm. So Ryan has taught us, um, and this is verifiable too if people want to Google it, but um, data became, it surpassed oil as the number one commodity on earth in 2018. It surpassed oil. I can believe that. 
And the reason why is because you can keep tapping into it. You get somebody's information that you generated in mind yourself. You can tap into that person at least until they unsubscribe or tell you to kick rocks, right? And so this means that whether they buy from you right now or in six months or six years from now, as long as you can get a hold of them with an offer, you now have potential and opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. And so essentially he developed phone sites to be able to put an offer out there in a simplistic manner that you can do straight from your phone or your PC, but it's phone sites for a reason because everything can be done on the phone. Um, but yeah, you build a landing page, you build an opt-in page, you build a funnel, you build something that has an offer. You tell people that you have that offer and that you provide a solution to their problems. They land on there and then they give you their, your data. And again, that translates into what most people now call leads, right? Hmm. So um, now, as far as what it's, how is this advantageous and what we're doing now, it's mostly now we've turned the software into, matter of fact, we didn't turn it into, we ended up manifesting and finding out that this software does digital business cards better than anything else in yeah. existence right now. Okay, so it started with. off. Right, exactly. That's where you started. You started on the back end, right? Right. So again, the software started off as a page building funnel builder. But again, we found out that it's got way massive potential in the digital business card space. So right now, we're actually building on the snowball that is digital business cards, because right now, uh, the tech industry and the reason why software is so prevalent right now is because we all live in that digital age. We live in that digital world. Um, even for the small guy, the sales guy, it's important to have this presence on, a, on a, a digital presence because, again, not only was insurance, uh, was there skepticism in insurance, there's skepticism in all sales, right? Again, that's something that I realized that <clears throat> human beings are just naturally skeptical. Right. So if we can, A, leave a good impression on somebody, that good first impression. B, we can give them a place or an opportunity to vet and verify us to feel like, um, you know, that they can trust us and get to know us a little bit more. Then at least they feel a little more comfortable giving us their data and speaking to us about solving their problems. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this is all encompassing and allows those allows people to do that in a very simplistic, quick manner. And you look good along the way. Sure. And that I can. As a user myself, that was something that, and again, it sounds horrible because as he's saying all of this, it's like I'm selling myself, which is so funny because I'm like, oh, dude, I got to talk to him after the show because I had no idea it was like initially, you know, a lead sourcing machine. I'm just looking at it as like a really nice business card, digital business card, like, oh, check this out. You can you can have them text you or pick your way. I mean, that's just hilarious. Uh, and that's actually all my guys and girls that we have on the team, the same thing. But we absolutely and we already were going going to but uh mm -hmm. that's really exciting man because i'm i'm confident that we can really turn that into so i can promise you this much we're going to be having to have a conversation regarding that and how it becomes a a lead sourcing tool but that's mm -hmm. phone sites for one and again you can get uh i mean how can somebody who's interested in that steve how can they get information on that um hit me up anybody who's on this show whether it's now or 6 years from now um Hit me up at Steve. I'm sorry. We'll do H I L Y T E. Highlight H I L Y T E dot club. That is my personal digital business card. That's basically where you're going to find 500 different ways to get a hold of me. And anybody from the show that hits me up on there, I'm going to give them a free digital business card. 
And um, if we get somebody that upgrades to the service, then I have some pretty nice discounts to offer to people too. So just some special stuff to give give away to people who have listened to this and you want to get a hold of me and at least get a get a, a demo or a test or a Q&A going. Uh, again, I think every, not, not, not do I think, I firmly believe that everybody can use this, whether it's a hairdresser, a landscaper, yeah. sales guy, CEO, uh, rapper, musician, doesn't matter. You have a presence right now in a digital age. Mm-hmm. And part of that is what, what I call the digital handshake. And this is going to make that digital handshake experience way, way more beneficial and impressive to everybody involved. Yeah. And I'll plug that one. I mean, again, it's basically, it sits right here in the back of my uh, little card. It's like a credit card, right? It looks dope. Mm-hmm. But you know, when somebody wants to look at it, like, oh, do you have a card, right? The back of the card has a little QR code. And so you bust that out and people are like, what the hell is he giving me? And you ask them to take their, their, their phone out and take a picture. And people are getting a lot more hip to QR codes and stuff these mm-hmm. days. And then it, boom, it pops up. And it's like, you know, it's always going to be a cool picture of you because you're not going to put a lame one up, right? But then of course, yeah. you can text. It's like a text me block. It's totally customizable. I mean, you can set this thing up to have, as he said, a landing page. It can take you to any of your other Facebook, social medias, Insta, you know, text me, call me. I mean, it's your email. Send me an email. It is one of the coolest things ever. Our guys are uh, crazy about it. And uh, you said H L Y T E. H I, yeah, H I L Y T E highlight.club. And H- then you do forward slash Steve. Cool. And we'll uh, we'll see if we can't get that put up uh, somewhere as well so that we can, we'll put it on the uh, whatever we promo this and stuff. We'll make sure we put that out as well. So you're able For sure. to. Uh, I was start. about to buy a steveapodaca.com, but I was like, I don't think we'll have enough time to set that up before the show. Steve, uh, yeah, dude. That <laughs> Just to make awesome. it easy. Yeah. That would have been so awesome, man. But they would have been like steveabracadabra.com or something like that. Apodaca, dude. Honestly, that's actually not that hard now that I say it. Apodaca, right? Did I say it? Am I got it? It only took the last hour. Um, All good, brother. Dude, last thing. And again, this is kind of the little, you know, and I'm I'm digging this. Who knows? We may kibosh this whole thing down the road. But as it is right now, imagine you're sitting with any of the greats, right? I don't care if that's Carnegie or Ryan. But when they're building their empire um, and this is you to somebody who's listening to this show, what's the tidbit? What's the one little piece of what's the contribution that you can say hey man if anything that i were to impart onto you it would be x just what would your contribution be it could be anything Mm -hmm. business related it could be mindset related what's that one thing that you want to share with our audience to really help make an impact what's the one nugget that you think is above all else i would say since probably most of the audience has sales experience i'm going to keep it sales um unless I get a prompting to say something else. But uh, for sales, it's believe that what you do and what you offer has intrinsic value. Mm. Meaning that it's good for the consumer, whether it's a monetary thing, whether it's uh, providing stress relief, whether it's providing peace of mind, whether it's providing you know different byproducts of what you offer. If you just believe in that thing, you believe in what you do and what you offer, it'd be a lot easier for your prospects to at least have their guard down and listen to you because the second part of there's like a part two to this is because when you uh, are developing your sales skills, 
One of the biggest sales skills that I always tell people to perfect and master is the art of asking the right questions. Mm. When you believe that what you do has intrinsic value, you can now ask those heart-wrenching, gut-punching questions that are that are more curious and genuine in nature. And you don't sound like a salesperson, mm-hmm. right? You sound like you're asking the right question that helps them realize that if they were to take advantage of your offer, their life would be a lot better. It's sure. essentially, to me, that's what sales is. It's, it's like leading people to making a better decision for themselves that they were unable to make before they met you, mm-hmm. right? And so if you believe that your product service does, it can be, it can be solar, it can be roofing. Like there are benefits that people uh, receive when they buy your product service. It's what are those benefits are? What, what are those benefits? And do you believe that those benefits are beneficial to that person? And if you do, then you'd be able to, without a script, mind you, you'd be able to ask those right questions like, well, I'm curious. I'm curious. And you'd be able to ask the question to that person and then they won't have that guard up. They'd be like, damn, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. And then they, you can see it in their eyes when they make that connection and then they realize that if they make this decision, it's going to be good for them. And then after that, it's like, yeah, sure, let's let's do it. Yeah, and it's just building a relationship from then on. That's awesome, man. That was a fire answer, dude. Steve, that might be the best one we've heard yet. Sorry, Doug. I love you, brother. But uh, <laughs> you probably took a mindset one. I think that's a little bit easier. But uh, but yeah, if we're talking to salespeople, I want to I want to give people that uh, I like to give people tangible and um, usable information. I know that one's not as tangible or usable, but again, if that's something that again. Whatever your industry is, find out what people benefit from and how it makes their life easier and then hold on to that belief. And then everything else after that, your conversations will be easier. Your questions will be a lot uh, more intentional and genuine and uh, people can sense that and they feel more mm-hmm. comfortable in doing business with you. 100% brother. I mean, you sold me, man. That's 90% of what I teach. You know, most of it is up here and not. You know, these guys, some old school guys, and and I've got one of them here with me now. And Carl, I love you, brother. But I mean, he, A, and he does amazing. But, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I have to learn to kind of slow down. And it's more about asking the right questions when I do speak. And it's really more just about listening. Um, but that being said, man, Steve, I love you. Did you already shout out, you know, is that the only place that our listeners can can find you? I mean, what about Facebook, Insta, anything else? <sighs> yeah, else so if that find? link doesn't work 10 years from now, <laughs> just Steve, S-T-E-V-E, Apodaca, A-P-O-D-A-C-A on any social platform. Um, I am very transparent. People can get to know who, me, who I am inside and out. Um, again, I, I believe people buy us, so I have nothing mm. to hide. If you really want to get to know me, you'll find me there and find out everything you need to know about me there. Dude, I love it. I love it. This has been awesome, man. I can't wait to uh, catch up and dig more into the actually the phone sites thing. But thank you so much, Steve, for coming on and spending this time with us, brother. And uh, look forward to doing it again sometime. Appreciate you, Kenny. You're awesome, brother. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. We sure do appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a review. It is how new people find the show. Until next time, remember, there's always a seat at the table for business.